Welcome to the Organizer Chicks podcast. I am your host, Amber Taggart, and I'm so excited today. We have a really cool email from Daniela. She says, hi, Amber, how are you? I just wanted to say thank you a million times for the best podcast ever. I don't know if I found you in the perfect time in our life or not, but I've already listened to every podcast twice and I can't wait for next Monday to get the new one. She says that she is just about to be moving from Boston to a bigger house, a much bigger house, actually about 25 minutes outside of Boston, and that she is originally from Venezuela. So thank you so much for writing in. I appreciate your kind comments so much. And the question that she wants to know is how can she make the very most of her new kitchen. It's going to be bigger, have more space, and she wants to get it right. And so to talk about the details of kitchen, I had to bring in our very own pantry whisperer, Kelly Davis. Kelly, thank you for being here with me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Amber. Great yeah. to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. So when we think about kitchens, the first thing that we have to think about is overall layout, right? And one thing that we do a lot is we help people to unpack and get settled into a new space. But even if you're not unpacking, you can always rethink your layout, right? Absolutely. So, you know, we, we end up moving some people's things around, you know, as we're doing reorganizing a kitchen. Actually, I do that in my own kitchen. I've done that recently to make it more functional and really create a workflow that makes a lot of sense and limits steps in my kitchen where I can be more efficient mm -hmm. um, in the place that I actually spend the most time, and that is the kitchen. Right. They say it's the heart of the home, and I think that's so true. And we're even seeing more home layouts being built that way so that, you know, we have islands or we have bar stools or we have an open concept so that even when you're in the kitchen, you really are attached to the flow and the energy and the people that are in the rest of your house. So speaking of flow and energy, one thing we think a lot about is placement of things. And so I just wanted to run through some of the thought processes that we go through when we're planning layout for a space. So Kelly, do you mind kind of walking us through what's going on in your head? What questions are you asking yourself when you're unpacking common kitchen items? So a lot of questions I'm asking is of the client, actually. Mm -hmm. um, not so much myself. It's really dependent on how the client lives, how the family lives, how they operate, what things they use regularly. Something I typically ask is, like, who does the majority of the cooking? Am mm -hmm. I putting things that reach the primary person's cooking? What, are they left or right-handed? You know, mm -hmm. I'm putting things where it's a logical place where the, the left-handed person would typically be reaching. I'm asking, do they drink coffee? Mm -hmm. so am I creating a coffee bar for them, basically, where I can put the coffee machine in, uh, in a place where the mugs are directly above it and the, the you know the Keurig pods are directly below it in a drawer. The the sugar is there. That you know a spoon is is nearby and the creamer is nearby, so they don't have to go you know ten different places to get their morning coffee because right. we're all we're, have busy lives. We're running behind sometimes. We don't really have the extra time to you know, go around the kitchen and build our cup of coffee in the morning. We want to keep things close, keep it convenient, and really make it make sense for the modern family. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So in, in your questions that you ask, and I know you asked this because I've heard you ask it before, but one thing that we're fans of knowing from people is, do you like to have nothing on your kitchen counters, or are there specific high-touch items that we need to be able to make room for? So that's a great thing to think through. You know, what are the things that have high use value for me? Because we don't want to clutter up our countertops. We want our eye to be able to travel uninterrupted 
on our flat surfaces, and that includes our countertops. But if there are specific things that you are using all the time, like maybe your coffee maker, you might use that literally every day of your life, or maybe you're a juicer and you're juicing things every single day, or maybe you're a big cook and you want your knife block, you know, right there front and center. It's a great time while you're packing or while you're revamping your kitchen to really think about countertops and you know maybe start off with just a totally naked countertop and see how that looks and feels to you probably you're gonna like it right and then you have to ask yourself what is worth putting on this countertop right like if I'm gonna take away from this beautiful sleek empty space what makes the cut I love that and I love the pun as well what makes the cut um (laughs) (laughs) also think about like think about your pantry as a secondary workspace too so Mm. we uh we see pantries being set up as secondary workspaces where we can actually set up a smoothie station in the pantry Um, we're even seeing electricians installing you know outlets in the pantry we can actually create a place where you don't have to wake up the baby when you're making your smoothie in the morning Mm -hmm. you should go into and create that so yeah, there's there's a, a wide variety, everything between you know a lot of things that kind of be used daily to completely sleek, and we want to obviously keep you from having to bring out appliances that you use on the regular. Some appliances are very beautiful to look at too. So mm-hmm. just kind of feel, find out what works best for you, mm-hmm. and like you said, find out what makes the cut. So you mentioned if you're going to have a coffee station that you're going to want to put those mugs probably right above your your coffee maker. Have those things right there and together so that it's an easy reach. And these are the kinds of thought processes that are going on in our mind when we're looking at the basic layout of your kitchen. So, you know, every architect, every builder is going to do things a little bit differently. And we see all kinds of kitchens. Some have islands and some have peninsulas and some are galley kitchens. And, and within every layout, Things are different, but there are also always some similarities. Every kitchen is going to have three major things that we really need to be keeping in mind. So that's a sink, that's a fridge, and that's your dishwasher. And the placement of those things is really going to inform a lot of what we do, just like keeping your coffee mugs by your coffee machine you're probably going to want to keep your cups near the fridge where you're going to go grab a drink really quick right so can you speak to some of those things what are the things that you want to be looking out for when you're unpacking or when you're rethinking your kitchen based on kind of that triangle of work you know from the the fridge to the dishwasher, to the sink. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of people end up using water bottles that, you know, they're carting with them when they go to work, when they go to school. Those need to be located as close to the water source as possible. So if you have a filtered water system uh, at your sink, think about keeping those closer to your sink so you can actually, you know, grab it and get your water and head out the door. Or if it's close to your fridge, you use your filtered water from the fridge or a filter system um, within the fridge, like a pitcher. Keep it closer to the fridge so you don't have to walk across the kitchen to go and get your glass you're going to be filling it up Mm -hmm. think about how you serve your family when you're cooking are you serving directly from the stove where you would need to have the plates relatively close to the stove because that's where you're you're actually dishing out food onto the plates or do you you know take the casserole or the prepared meal and you know grab a a potholder and go stick it on the inner island or go stick it on, you know, a buffet serving type area. It would make more sense to have the place closer to that area, obviously. So mm-hmm. pay attention to how you're actually living and, and the workflow that you currently do within your own kitchen. Yeah. And that will also help inform some of the decisions about placement of things within the kitchen itself. Absolutely. I love that you said pay attention to how you're living. And this is one of the things that I think it can be very easy for us to, you know, we just, we just kind of live our lives, right? And we just, we have a real tendency as humans to do what we 
we've always done. And we feel like, well, I guess that's worked. And so, you know, that's the way I'll keep doing things. And I remember one time several years ago, I had a client. She had a really beautiful kitchen and she was a big baker. She cooked all the time, was always baking things. And she called me and she said, you know, the strange thing is I feel like my kitchen is organized, but something about it doesn't work for me. And I don't know exactly what that thing is. I can't quite put my finger on it. And so I said, well, I know this is going to sound a little unorthodox, but are you okay with me coming over to watch you bake? Find a time when you're going to be cooking something and then let's make that our appointment time. And I want to watch you and I want you to talk me through all of your processes. So we're going through this process and she's baking and she's talking me through things and I'm having her voice to me out loud when something feels frustrating. Well, long story short, I worked with her for almost an hour and then it hit me, you know, the, the proverbial light bulb went off. The annoyance that she was experiencing was because she had organized her kitchen exactly the way her mother, who was a very organized woman, had always had her her kitchen. And so the system was good. The system made all the sense in the world. However, it was designed for her left-handed mother and she was a right-handed woman. And so your question is exactly the right one. You know, what are you using? What is working for you? And don't be afraid to kind of question the way things have always been just because it was this way and you're, you know, the first kitchen you ever owned that was your own or that, you know, that's the way mama used to do it. That may not mean it's the best system for you. So I love that advice, you know, get analytical and ask yourself, what are my annoyances and see if you can pinpoint any potential problems. I love that. It really makes you more self-aware about how you're, how you're living and the you know the process where you can actually lean out the process because mm-hmm. the fewer steps you can take um, the more you can spend time enjoying it and not actually yes. you know working and trying to make the process into the space or the process you've already created a hundred percent and and that is really the crux of everything that we do at the organizer chicks is to try to give people back their time and if we can spend less of our time you know rummaging around for the correct tupperware lid then we've done our job well right yeah Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's good that you mentioned Tupperware lids, Amber, because we often find an entire box when we're unpacking full of lids mm-hmm. and no actual Tupperware containers that match it. <laughs> right. Um, it's a common situation and a, and a common frustration that we really can't even put our fingers on sometimes mm-hmm. either. So, you know, we, we recommend, of course, you know, trying to marry them together and say, okay, do I have lids that don't have containers? Do I have mm-hmm. containers that don't have lids? And maybe doing that, you know, twice a year or whenever we change the clocks or something nature mm-hmm. um i myself have actually been going through and upgrading my plastic containers to the glass pyrex containers um, they travel a lot better mm-hmm. they wash a lot better you can microwave in them and i haven't done it all at once i've actually done it a little bit at a time and now i have an entire nice collection of you know of upgraded tupperware that that washes better and just really is something that's going to last me for a long time so that's something to consider as well really invest in the things that you're using on a regular basis and uh and know that you're working yeah. I love that. And you know, the the thing is, you don't have to necessarily drop a hundred bucks and go get the entire deluxe brand new whole set all at once. You could set aside a little money and maybe once a month go buy a couple more pieces and a couple more pieces. And of course, as you bring in your newer, you know, more durable Pyrex, just be sure that you're letting go of its corresponding plastic friend, right? And, and let that go to a, a great charity or, or to a friend who might, you know, need that item or something. We're really big on the organizer takes about we're repurposing things and we rarely throw things away we have developed really great relationships in the community with with places that reuse and repurpose things so we're all about that that recycle lifestyle absolutely so kind of in keeping with this whole concept of 
living life better by spending your time where you really want to be spending it. I think if we're going to talk about kitchens, we have to talk about getting real with yourself and, and, and kind of a tough love moment with yourself with the question, how many of X do I need, right? So if you're revamping your kitchen or if maybe you are moving right now, maybe you're about to pack and then unpack things, this is the perfect moment to really stop and get analytical about how much you have and how much you need. So if you're gonna go through this process, it is very, very, very helpful to just be sure that all the like things are together. And you know, it's really common for us to find that people have multiples of of, of things. You know, we found, you know, here you have, you know, nine, 13 spatulas, right? And so the question, you know, is do you need and love and use all of them? And hey, you know what? Maybe you are really using using the vast majority of them. But if there are any that you're not using, this is the perfect time to let that go. There's no sense in creating permanent space and kind of giving your square footage away to items that you're not loving because not only is that cluttering up your space, but it's really just kind of holding these items hostage and making sure that somebody else who might need that spatula isn't able to use it. Absolutely. And a lot of times people end up putting things in different drawers, different locations, because they run out of space, right? Yeah. Because they're not traditionally going through the items and figuring out that I have too many of these or too many mm-hmm. of that. So it really brings us to like the critical part of organizing people often forget. That's a segmenting process. Yes. So getting out all the utensils and saying, okay, I want to create a stack or a little piling of all my zesters, of all my fretters, of all my slotted spoons, mm-hmm. and really confronted you know, maybe for the first time with how many do I have? Right. And how many do I need to your point, right? So when you're thinking about putting things back in a drawer, really be stingy about that real estate. And mm-hmm. say, okay, this is, maybe I only have four drawers in my kitchen and we mm-hmm. ran into that on a regular basis, especially yep. in places like Boston, right? Where, sure. you know, stay at a premium. Yep. So think about the things that, that really function the best, the things that wash the best. And, you know, are you using four spatulas every time you wash the dishes or do you use one spatula at a time? And it's really not a problem to wash it because you don't use it on a regular basis. So right. think about the quality and think about, you know, which things deserve the space in your drawers because mm-hmm. you really have to be have to be stingy about that. Absolutely. So one of the frequent offenders that I see tend to be tumblers. We get a lot of travel mugs and these things come to us, you know, they're they're part of swag from your kids' school got one and then, you know, you got one from your company and then, you know, somebody got one from their soccer team and you know, they these are things that just kind of tend to <laughs> manifest themselves in our cabinets somehow. So that can be a frequent culprit. What do you see maybe just as we can kind of send out some signals like, "Hey, warning, you might have you know, extraneous lunch boxes lying about. What would what would be the things that you can think of just off the top of your head that might be kind of those those frequent things where we just say, you know what, that's probably too many of this for the amount of people that live in the house. I think you really nailed it, Amber, with um, like the plastic cups that you get as a promotion item from the movie theater, mm-hmm. um, or you go to a football game and you know they give you this drink in a promotional cup. Those are not really designed to be permanent things. Yeah. You know, they're not designed um, in a meaningful, long-term way. And oftentimes, you know, they really are not designed to have hot liquid in them or something that's mm-hmm. meant to be washed in a dishwasher. So yeah. think about, are we attaching emotional attachment to these things that don't really need to have that? Mm-hmm. So we say, oh, I, this came from my husband's work and this came from my kids' school and stuff like that. I mean, think about the things that are, like, that are not just emotionally attached, but also like, this is a quality piece. This is something that is made out of steel. It's actually a Yeti that has... 
a, a label on it. Yeah. It comes from the school. And it's not about, like, you know, we're not, we're not brand divas whatsoever. Right. But, you know, some of these things are just made in a higher quality mm-hmm. and something that we want to keep around anyway. Right. Something else we see a lot of, Amber, is uh, those reusable bags. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're great, so they help us, you know, reduce the use of plastic bags that are really hard to recycle anyway. But we end up with a lot of people that have tons of those reusable bags, sometimes yes. enough bags fill up a full-size large bag itself mm-hmm. with just the bags right so you know don't feel like you have to you know keep one of those bags just because they're reusable you can still donate those you can still repurpose those somebody else can get just as much use out of them as you you know maybe intended to get but i promise you you're not going to the store and using 30 mm-hmm. reusable bags because that's just that's four carloads worth of groceries not something that anybody's really going to use in a practical way Right. And, you know, I would say on this subject that very often I hear a lot of guilt coming from people about their reusable bags because very often what happens is that we kind of create maybe an entire section of a shelf or a pantry, you know, some good space that we give away to these reusable bags, but then we go to the store and we don't have the bags with us. And so I actually have heard many, many times over the years, just a lot of of shame, guilt feelings related to these bags and how I want to use them. I intend to use them. I, you know, I see that there's good and I want to positively impact the environment in this way, but I'm just factually not using them. And I think one of the best things we can do is first of all, make it manageable. If the task is over, overwhelming, we're less likely to do it. And that applies to all, you know, all humans of all ages. And so when we're dealing with, like you say, we've got 32 bags spilling out of one bag when we're trying to just go get some groceries real quick, you know, it may become something that on sub subconscious level, it's overwhelming to deal with the bags. But if we can say like, I'm going to have six or eight, you know, a reasonable number, a manageable number of these bags that may actually lead to you having a higher use value out of them. You're doing more with less. The other thing I would say is to get in the habit of storing these bags in the trunk of your car because that's where you're going when you're at the grocery store you can grab them from the trunk and so of course that creates one little extra step at the end of your grocery put away process because you have to put away your bags back in the trunk of your car but that ensures that when you're there you haven't had the opportunity to get to the store and not have the bags that you need so that may be something to consider yeah, that's exactly what I do, Amber. Um, I have a, a little organizer that fits in the back of my SUV, and one of those little slots is designed for five of those reusable bags that just mm-hmm. go right back in there after I'm done unloading my groceries. It just yeah. becomes part of the routine that, exactly. that I'm used to doing, and that yeah. way when I know I need to go shopping, they're exactly where I expect them to be. Yeah, I love that. All right, well, last thing I wanted to ask you about, Kelly, what do you suggest for people who have cabinets and and maybe the the upper layer of the cabinets is made of glass right and so it has to matter what it looks like you know sometimes we have cabinetry and we can just shut that cabinet and maybe if you have mixed matchy plates and glasses and what it doesn't matter because it's behind the cabinet door but very often we're seeing in more modern design that we've got some glass front cabinets so what would you suggest for somebody who has maybe you know that upper level you know how it is a lot with that that highest layer of shelving that is a see-through front so that is a a point of contention um in a lot of places too because if you don't have a perfectly matching set of waterford crystal or (laughs) fiesta ware or something that actually goes with your new kitchen it becomes a struggle and oftentimes those spaces don't get used because of that fact 
So we actually end up using a lot of this aftermarket frosting material, and it's just a film that you can pick up at Home Depot, Lowe's, I think in some Walmarts they have it as well. Mm-hmm. Super easy to install, and it just creates like a professional frosted look. It's easy to apply. Uh, it's also not permanent, so you can take it down if you want. Right. And it just creates that, you know, that illusion where you can put anything behind it, basically. And so it, it becomes a more functional space where you can put a couple pictures that don't necessarily fit in other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and match the rest of the things in there, but you're not, you know, giving up that valuable real estate uh, just because something doesn't match or doesn't display beautifully on those shelves. That's such a, a great answer that maybe you decide that you don't want them to be a see-through at all. And so it's pretty inexpensive and very DIY, right? This is not something that you necessarily have to hire some pro to do it. It's designed so that you can pick it up from the store and do it yourself. Absolutely. So another thing that I think we've seen that I'm a really big fan of is making sure that your your precious things aren't too precious to, to look at and to display. And so if you do have, you know, maybe, maybe there's a beautiful punch bowl or maybe there's a nice hand-me-down, this could be a great place, even if it's not quote-unquote a kitchen item, right? Like maybe you have something that you really love that's you know theoretically should go in another room of the house you have permission to bring it into your kitchen if you want to the space is yours you're paying for every square foot of it you're the one who's heating and cooling and insuring it and so you know don't be afraid I think to think outside the box we also sometimes see that people just go and make purchases they say well gosh I guess I'll just go get several blue vases so that I can can put them all there and of course you know you can do that if you want to but try to use something that you already own so that we're not shopping you know just for the sake of shopping and kind of trying to fill up these areas that have that clear glass front. Right. Well, Kelly, thanks for being here with me today and talking through kitchens. Like I say, the layout of every last one of them is different, but ultimately, as long as we try to make sure that we're not keeping extraneous things in the place and we're keeping our, you know, our three-point triangle of work in mind, you know, that fridge, that sink, that dishwasher, you'll be able to create a great layout that's going to work for you and your family. Let's make these kitchens functional, beautiful, and something that you're, we're all congregated there anyway. We're all there, <laughs> so might as well make it a space that really works for the family. Absolutely. Kelly, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Amber. That wraps up this episode of the Organizer Chicks podcast. Make sure to subscribe here and stay up to date with us on social media. We're at facebook.com slash the organizer chicks. And on Instagram, we're at the underscore organizer underscore chicks. Also make sure to check out theorganizerchicks.com for more information on who we are and what we do. If you found our podcast interesting or helpful today, please give us a review on iTunes as it makes our show more visible to others. And a big thanks to Sweet 25 for letting us use their song, Thinking About You. Check them out on Spotify and iTunes as well. Thanks again for listening and be sure to catch our next episode as we work to help you turn your before into an after.